0: get fit guy to learn more welcome to the get fit guys quick and dirty tips to get moving and shape up my name is brock armstrong and i'm the get fit guy A thing called a Ragnar Relay is a 24-hour race that you complete with a group of 12 runners, or 6 if you're ultra runners, where you conquer 200-ish miles by running day and night and then day again from one point to another. Daunting? (laughs) Yeah. An experience of a lifetime? Also, yeah. Now, training for a Ragnar Relay event is, well, it's not that different from training for any other race like a 10K or a marathon. It's running, after all, but by incorporating some nuanced techniques and some important forethoughts, you can make sure that you are ready for all aspects of the big day. Now, basically, during a Ragnar event, each team participant will run three times, or three legs of the race, with each leg ranging from 3 to 13 miles. Each leg will vary in difficulty based on terrain and elevation, or even just general hilliness, and in total, each one of the runners averages around 17 miles of running during the entire event. Although, if you're lucky, the shorter running positions cover 11 miles, and, well, if you're unlucky, the longer positions are more like 24 miles, which is nearly a full marathon. On Ragnar's official website, they break the Ragnar training essentials down into these four categories. Number one, preparing for the night leg. Number two, running on tired legs. Number three, targeting your long leg. And number four, testing your nutrition. Now, having done a ragnar myself and coached a number of people through their ragnar adventures i agree that those are some very important factors to consider so let's break them down one by one and then i'm going to throw in my own bonus tip at the end now the first training aspect is getting ready to run ragnar at night i mean waking up in the middle of the night to your teammates yelling your name and then immediately having to break into a sprint is well it's a crucial part of running ragnar How it happened for me was, well, my night leg happened at about 3 a.m. And after staying awake, eating bacon, and we'll get into that later, until about 1 a.m., then I finally drifted off, sprawled across the bench seat in the back of the van. Now, I had an alarm set to wake me up about 20 minutes before my teammate was likely to arrive and hand off that official and sweat-soaked wristband to me. Um, I either miscalculated or my teammate hauled butt, or probably both, so I was still actually sound asleep when he rounded the bend waving frantically and everyone in the van suddenly started shouting my name and the next thing I knew I was sprinting off into the night. Now, during a Ragnar event at night, each participant is required to run with a safety vest, a headlamp, and a tail light on. And I strongly suggest that you take your safety gear out for a test ride a few times before race day. And make sure you're used to running with a headlamp bouncing around and lighting your way. And you certainly don't need to sleep in a van and get shouted awake at 3am like I did to test the gear, but just simply taking the gear for a test spin in the dark will suffice. Now The next training aspect is making sure that you're ready to run on tired legs. The thing that sets Ragnar apart from other more traditional races, even those other 24-hour events, is that during a Ragnar relay, you will run at least three times in that 24-hour period with lengthy breaks in between. Now, having those long breaks between your legs means that your muscles will get completely cold and tight and perhaps even start to show signs of DOMS, which is delayed onset muscle soreness. So it is important to keep your running legs moving between your, well, running legs. Now, as I said, a big challenge is actually running on those tired legs, especially during your third effort. Now, the best way to prepare for this aspect of the race is to practice running two times in one day and then again the next morning, at least a few times before the big race day. I suggest that you mix this strategy in with your regular run training, but don't do it more than every two or three weeks. These back-to-back sessions can leave you fatigued, and the necessary time to recover from an effort like that can actually cut into your regular training if you do it too often. I would suggest that a good approach to do this would be to get up early and run the equivalent of your shortest leg, and run it hard. Then go about your normal daily activities, and then just before or after dinner, go out for a longer and easier effort. Now finish this off with a medium distance mid-effort run the following morning. This doesn't directly simulate exactly what you're going to do during the race, but it's as close as I suggest that you get. This will prepare you mentally for what's in store for you, and it'll do it without breaking you down so you're still able to train hard. Okay, my next Ragnar training tip is to target your longest or hardest run. Now once you have your team selected and your team is all registered for the Ragnar race, you will be able to assign your teammates to particular legs of that race. I suggest that you do this as early as possible so everyone knows what distance and difficulty they will need to train for. During a Ragnar, the total mileage that you run and the distance of your individual legs will vary from your teammates, so your training will need to be personalized. Now, if you're the unlucky soul who gets assigned one of the longer legs, well, you'll need to train to that distance and perhaps a little bit beyond. It's actually pretty easy to go off course in a Ragnar event. Now, if you're one of the unlucky souls who gets a shorter but very hilly leg of the race, well, your training will need to be focused on hill repeats and hill practice. If you're one of the unlucky souls who gets a short and flat leg, well, then you will want to work on your speed. Any way you slice it, your training will need to be specific to whichever (laughs) unlucky straw that you draw. And that leads me to the next Ragnar training tip, which is to keep your nutrition tried and true. And this also leads me to that bacon story that I was telling you about. Now, for some reason, around 11 p.m. during my last Ragnar event, one of my teammates decided to cook a huge batch of bacon. Now, we really should have been trying to get some sleep, but instead, a few of us were already deep into some peanut M&Ms, which is one of my go-to fuels for a race like that. And when the bacon was ready, we enthusiastically dug into it. I mean, come on, it's bacon, right? Well, M&Ms and bacon are oddly delicious together, but they do not make a great middle-of-the-night running fuel. We deviated from our fueling plan, and, well... We paid the price. Now, due to the fact that you will be running three different times at odd hours of the day and the night over a 24-hour period, well, your body is going to be a little confused and your digestion may be a little off its game. To help minimize that disruption, make sure that you test different foods before, during, and after each of your runs, especially on those multi-day runs that we were talking about earlier. That way, you can figure out which foods actually work for you. Now, having done that, your race day nutrition will be nailed down. So stick to those foods and you will be fine and no bacon. I am going to add in one more training tip right here, and that is to remember (laughs) this is supposed to be fun. It's okay to try to be competitive, but also stay realistic. The teams that take this race just seriously enough to feel fulfilled and like they did their best, but also relaxed enough to not get angry or agitated at each other, well, they seem to have the best overall results. Remember that being woken up in the middle of the night and made to perform some difficult tasks is actually something that hardcore people like Navy SEALs train for their entire career. Now, on the other hand, we Ragnar runners are only doing it for one weekend a year or maybe two, so don't be too hard on yourself. Also, don't be surprised if you're a lot more fatigued, sore, and drained by the end of a Ragnar event than you expected to be. Even if your mileage isn't that high and you're used to running farther than that, you are still going to experience some neural fatigue along with your muscular fatigue. And of course, there is that lack of sleep. So cut yourself some slack and take the next few days off of any hard training. Your body and your mind will let you know when it's okay to get back at it. Now for more info about fatigue and recovery, make sure you check out the Get Fit Guy episode called 6 Reasons Recovery is Essential to Your Exercise Routine, where you can learn all about central nervous system fatigue and how it plays an important role in recovery from an effort like a Ragnar race. An unexpected result or a side benefit of being in a Ragnar race is the degree of mental toughness that you will walk away with just like those Navy SEALs we were talking about that get woken up and thrown out of a plane or something equally terrifying, being involved in one of these races can make a big difference in your mental game. The best athletes in the world often use words like grit and mental toughness and fortitude and the ability to suffer when they're asked about what sets them apart. A Ragnar race is a good place to build some of that grit and mental toughness and fortitude and the ability to suffer. I guarantee that the next time you are running a race and you start to feel that why am I doing this voice gaining momentum in your head... If you conjure that memory of running in some unfamiliar territory on a nearly unmarked course in the middle of the night after little to no sleep and way too much bacon, well, you will be able to silence that voice a lot easier than you did before. Wake up, soldier! Go, go, go! All right, before I wrap up, serious athletes care about nutrition and what they put in their bodies, or at least they should. That's why some of them reach for low-fat chocolate milk after a tough workout, because unlike those powdered mixes, it naturally provides fluids and electrolytes and calcium, potassium, magnesium, which all replenish critical nutrients that you lose when you sweat your brains out. More than 20 scientific studies now support the benefits of low-fat chocolate milk and show that it can actually help athletes gain more lean muscle than a typical sports drink. To find out the real science, go to builtwithchocolatemilk.com. That's builtwithchocolatemilk.com. Chocolate milk, real recovery backed by real science so you can put in the real work. For more relay info and Ragnar tips and to join in the crazy 24-hour race conversation, head over to facebook.com getfitguy or twitter.com getfitguy. And of course, you can get all the show notes, all the transcripts for every podcast and the entire back catalog of this podcast, which you can't get on iTunes, but you can get at getfitguy.quickanddirtytips.com. getfitguy.quickanddirtytips.com. And my name is Brock Armstrong, and I'm the Get Fit Guy, asking you, what are you waiting for? Go get fit. The Virginia Department of Health thanks you for wearing a mask, for showing that you care about reducing the spread of COVID-19. So keep wearing that mask, stay six feet away from others, and visit vdh.virginia.gov.